This is Jerry Mason, the Kicking Lawyer, and I'm inviting everyone to join us every Tuesday at 5 p.m. on the Kicking Lawyer fan page on Facebook for Law Talk Live, where we discuss business, politics, current events, and the law. If you miss the live version, you can watch the playback on YouTube or listen on your favorite podcast platform. Jerry Mason, the Kicking Lawyer. We're live for another Law Talk here on a wonderful Tuesday. Uh, before we get to the guests, don't forget to like, follow, subscribe across platforms. We are on social media platforms, podcast platforms, TikTok platforms, everything. We're back on Instagram now. If you look at uh, Kicking Lawyer on Instagram, give me a follow. Uh, Michelle Allen is our longtime sponsor. She's your go-to in the area for real estate. So feel free to holler at old Michelle Allen. And I think she gets some traction from her sponsorship of our show. If you're interested in sponsoring our show, feel free to reach out to us. We are accepting new sponsorships now, just like Mason's High Octane Martial Arts, creating champions and kicking lawyers since 1993. And of course, The Cellar, Restaurant Prohibition Bar. It's where I'll be after this podcast doing trivia on Tuesdays. Wednesdays, we have karaoke. Thursdays is ladies' night. Friday is live music. And it's, of course, great food and uh, conversation uh, every night. So that opens 4 o'clock daily. And, of course, Josh would be glad to help you at Masonite Digital Marketing with your brand's online presence. You can just holler at him at masonitemarketing.com. So with all that said, today I'm joined by uh, a longtime friend of mine. I've known uh, Justin Justin Reed Wallace. He goes by Reed, I think, now as a big, bad adult. I know him as Justin. Uh, anyway, Justin was real good buddies with my other brother, Justin. And uh, now he's a grown man. It's weird to me, I guess, because I don't see you regular when I look at you as a grown man. Like, I think of you as a little kid back in the day. <laughs> and so anyway, he's a longtime friend, family friend, and now he's an adult that deals with, we well, deal with cybersecurity and stuff now. Yeah, yeah, mainly cybersecurity. Yeah. So. so you probably look at all our stuff and instantly think uh, it's all liability. We have a huge liability. Vulnerability, vulnerability, mm-hmm. vulnerability. No. <laughs> It's very appropriate yeah. guest for episode 101, by the way. When, when <laughs> yeah, I, I could take you to school. I'm sure you could. <laughs> oh, I don't know anything about it. I'm not going to lie. I know that as a lawyer, we like we use an online client management software, and of course, everything's confidential and uh, supposed to be. But uh, oh, we've I've had many CLEs, uh, lawyer in service trainings, where one of the big warnings they have for us is how you know. We're screwed, really. They're not secure. <laughs> not. I don't. I don't know about the encryptions or any of that stuff. Yeah. Well, I think yeah. when it comes to you know protecting data, that's a, that's really the key in cybersecurity. Is you have to know what your data is, where it's traveling, and then how is it protected at rest and then in transit. So if it's all cloud-based, that means you're having to send it from your systems to the cloud, and you know really you kind of rely on that vendor to do all the security because you have zero control of it. Mm-hmm. And so that's one advantage of using cloud-based systems is you kind of remove that layer of responsibility to the vendor and then that's less responsibility on your part. Did you uh, go to school for all that? I did, so my education, I have 12 certifications in IT, uh, including one called a CISSP, which is a pretty difficult cybersecurity certification to get. I also have a bachelor's in cybersecurity and information assurance. And I'm currently enrolled in an MBA program, and hopefully I have 10 credit hours and I'll have the MBA locked down. Sweet. That's great. I, I didn't know that. I, I mean, I've known you, you know, 
since you were little, but as adults, everybody's working and busy. And so I don't know. How often do you keep up with Justin? We talk every now and then. He uh, sent me a message yesterday because he scared me about my dad because uh, uh, Danny Wallace was in a wreck. Oh, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he reached out and was like, hey, you know, is your dad okay? And I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, which I hope Danny's doing well. I know they had to take him to the hospital. Are y'all related to them? I think it's a different set of Wallaces. Okay. Yeah, he's an alderman, uh, mm-hmm. sitting alderman, and running for re-election, and was, he has a golf cart that's road legal. And he was driving down the road over here and uh, – I, I, I don't know this factual, but what I under, my understanding is he was correct lane of travel and the other car veered into his lane mm-hmm. and uh, he didn't see him at all and ran over him. So, uh, yeah, we hope he's okay. I know he was airlifted, but last I heard he was at least stable. So I um, hate to hear that about him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so on Justin, though, when he messages you, is it always really inappropriate stuff? <laughs> no, not usually. So it, it depends. So usually I kind of send him stuff. You know, oh, like, okay. You know, we'll, we won't hear each other from each other for a couple of months, and then you know I'll be on the internet and I mm-hmm. find some funny image, well, and I'll be like, Justin, I'll appreciate yeah. this. Jerry says that because he, I, and Justin have a Facebook message group mm-hmm. that can never be allowed. To yeah, I was just thinking about security wise. Like uh, we're screwed if any of that ever yeah, gets out. Yeah, all of our careers are done if that message. Uh, message well, you know, I wonder though. I think most people. Well, that's not accurate. I think a lot of people, not most people, a lot of people have very dark humor. And if we were very open and honest about it, there are things that are, are taboo to some degree that a lot of us probably find humor in. Uh, and so you're hesitant to just be like, hey, everybody, look at this. Now, there are some exceptions. There's one friend, Justin's one of them, that have a couple of people on Facebook that just don't care. They just put whatever out there. Uh, oh, yeah. Just Justin, Other Justin is, well, you're, I guess that's why we'll call you Reed. Other Justin is <laughs> one of them. Simple. Yeah, yeah, I know. So tell me about that, though, because you were Justin growing up. So did you just decide you liked Reed better, or how? what is the deal on that? It's really kind of a silly story. So, um, you know, it was um, a friend of mine when I started my professional career in IT. You know, he went by his middle name to, you know, kind of differentiate the people he knew from work versus the people he knew from back home. So yeah. whatever you called him, because yeah. he was bad with names and stuff. And then I kind of tried it, and then it just stuck. And uh-huh. so now I go by Reed. How old are you? 41. So you've probably been reading longer than Justin then, I would guess, is the uh, primary It's name. probably getting pretty close. Yeah. So uh, I know what you're talking about, though, because people that call me Jerry Wayne uh, knew me growing up. Yep, that's what and I And then you. people that call me, you know, now not many people call me Jerry. Most of them it's Mr. Mason, or actually I get called Kickin' Lawyer probably more than anything. There are people that know me as Kickin' Lawyer and don't even know my real name, which I'm cool with it. I don't care. But so I get it. It's different to have, uh, but it's 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 definitely for me instant if they call me Jerry Wayne, or, or Jerwayne. That's what Justin. That's what would I say. always would say. I would say Jerwine. Josh. That calls me Jerwayne. Jerwayne. It's faster. A- anyway, it's more efficient it's to call you Jerwayne. It's very southern. Very southern. <laughs> so, so I get it. I was just curious because I knew that you'd had the read thing going. We, yeah. we, we need to get you and Justin back on. And have you dressed just like you did, like Ninja Turtles and stuff, back when y'all were kids? <laughs> and that would make me feel more normal. Yeah. Yeah, because you're probably not used to seeing us with facial hair and having kids and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, as an adult. Well, I think one of the last times I saw you, my kid ran into your truck. Yes. Yes. I remember that because I was super broke, and I was like, oh, dang. I remember that because I want to say it was when 
they were on the four wheeler or whatever, mm-hmm. and I snatched my daughter or one of them out of the way, and then they hit your truck. Yep, and ran into that truck. Well, I won't name drop which kid was driving, but uh, yeah, you did. How do you grab Jade out of the way? I think it was Austin. Is I'm that pre- right? I'm pretty sure no. it was Austin, if I remember. I think right. it was Austin. He was, was the Austin. daredevil one anyway. Alex was a little at the time as children. He was a little more responsible, but I think that was it. But that that's one of my last times. Uh, most recent memories, at least, which was a long time ago. Because mm-hmm. yeah, J- Jade is twenty-one now. Man, so yeah. she's old. And I know. Our brother Justin is in the comments watching, and he just commented something that I will not repeat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's just—it's so, so funny. It's so funny though how different we are. And how's your brother? Oh, he's good. Is yeah, he? He's uh, still working for Kroger. Okay, I haven't seen him in years either. Yeah, he works all the time. Like I, you know, most of the time when I do get up here to visit family and everything, uh, uh-huh. he's usually at work. Uh-huh. I mean, it's you know. So Where do you live now? Busy. South Haven. Oh, you like it there? Yeah, it's all right. You know, it's a nice area. So we bought right outside of uh, Snowden Grove Amphitheater, uh-huh. and so that whole area is just blowing up. Like, yeah. There's a lot of new development and construction, and you know the schools are good and lots of shopping and all the good stuff you could want in a town. Yeah. And then, and we'll go back to cybersecurity, but I'm just, you know, mm-hmm. it's you finding this out. I was going to call you Justin again. You're finding this out, Reed, that uh, a lot of people watch this and they assume there's all this prep maybe, you know, like there's this, and I don't, there's nothing. Like you show up, we come in, I start talking to you. And mm-hmm. uh, matter of fact, I have found some, of the, part of the reason for that is I think some of the best conversations are when we first talk. So I try to not talk to the person until we get started so that the good conversation's on the thing. Anyway, yeah. what I was going to say is, now as an adult, you've children and married, mm-hmm. right? Is she Ukrainian, yes. your wife? Mm-hmm. So how what is her take on all of that? I'm just curious. As an actual, well, is, is she American citizen now? Yes. Okay, but she was born in Ukraine, raised yep. over there. Mm-hmm. So what's her take on all this with the with the Russia-Ukraine war? Well, it honestly, it breaks her heart because, um, you know, she's kind of in this situation where she's all the way over here and yeah. all of her family are still there. Like her yeah. parents are there. She has uh, two brothers who are over there. And so it's it, every day we're watching the news and just trying to pay attention to it. We talk to her parents every day. But uh, in her mind, it's... Um, you know, Russians are the aggressors here. And, you know, if you look historically at Ukraine and Russia, Russia has always kind of treated Ukraine pretty bad. Yeah. And, you know, it's just another one of those acts of escalation that this regime in Russia decided to take another part of another country by force. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think internationally people are obviously opposed to the Russian invasion. Um, but you know, Ukraine, and I'm not going to speak out of turn because she would definitely know more than me and you probably do too, I'm sure, you know, but if Ukraine has had its own set of problems with its government corruption, people are focused on it now as the white hat, the good guys, mm-hmm. but you know, there has been some corruption there too. However, I mean, too corrupt doesn't make one right one, you know? Yeah. So I don't, I still don't think that it's necessarily right. Um, uh, because Ukraine was part of the USSR originally, yeah. I think, right? Yeah, and so they went, 1991. yeah, then they got their independence. And mm-hmm. now of course, a lot of people think Putin's trying to go back to the glory of the USSR. So I don't know. Other people think that he's dying and got cancer and this is like a last ditch effort. I, I don't know. What, what's her take on it from people over there? Is it like, cause of course, all we see is the images that are on the news, you know, and they, it's usually going to be the worst case, what they show the video of the person talking, the little kid talking, and there's a rocket over their head and all this. 
Is her take from her family though? It's that dire, or they are they still functioning in their everyday lives in in the city, or what? What's the deal? Well, they're trying to function in their everyday lives, but she does have some family members who were in you know Russian occupied areas, and so they were there for a couple of months before the Russians let them leave, and they said it's actually worse than what you see on TV. Oh, like, really? Then these villages and these outskirts areas, you know, winter's very harsh in Ukraine. Yeah. And so the Russian soldiers are coming in and doing things like breaking windows and knocking down doors. So now that home is, you know, uninhabitable during the winter because you just can't survive there. Sure. And so there's lots of that happening. Uh, she had some family who had to move in with other family mm-hmm. members just to, you know, have a place to stay, you know, just to get away from the... What about, like, infrastructure and supply chains? Is that still working for them or... I guess it depends on the area. Like where yeah. my in-laws are, it's somewhat functional. Um, you know, they are not in an area where it's like active combat or anything, but <clears throat> there are some complications with getting stuff, and they notice that prices are starting to go through the roof because it's hard to get stuff in and out. Mm-hmm. You know, just for, you know, if you want bread or milk or eggs or something, you know, the prices are just going through the roof because it's so hard to get the materials in there. Is Have you visited Ukraine? Yeah. Y'all gone over there? Mm-hmm. Do you speak... Do they still speak? Is they speak Russian? Is it correct? They speak both. So they speak Ukrainian and Russian. Russian. So my wife, she actually speaks both. But uh, funny story about that, uh, you know, being married to someone who's a foreign speaker when she's talking to her mom and stuff, I was learning Russian and started picking up more and more Russian. And then I'd be listening to her have a conversation. Then I would just kind of chime in with my opinion on Mm -hmm. something. And Mm -hmm. once I started doing that, then she started switching to Ukrainian, which I know zero of. And so now she's like, oh, well, if you understand Russian, I'm just going to start speaking Ukrainian. Just to- Well, is it not a Slavic language, too? <laughs> They're similar. So the way she explained it to me is is that if you speak Ukrainian, you can understand Russian. Uh-huh. But Russians can't understand Ukrainian. So hmm. it's, it's That's a, interesting. Yeah. Because, you know, Portuguese is a base like Spanish. And mm-hmm. so even though they're different, they can kind of understand each other and communicate. Generally, it's what I understand. I speak a little Spanish, very, very little Portuguese, and that's only based on uh, uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So because mm-hmm. in Brazil, they speak Portuguese. Anyway, uh, but I know I have a friend, uh, Gunner, who's in the Navy, uh, was a student of mine forever. He's an officer in the Navy, and he's in intelligence. And he went to school to speak Russian, and that's what he does. He's fluent in Russian. And I wasn't aware that Ukrainian was different, though. That's that's odd. Yeah, they even have a different alphabet. So, like, some of the characters huh. in there, the, so Russian uses Cyrillic alphabet. Uh-huh. And a couple of the characters are different in Ukrainian. So that's how, if you if you see the actual text written out, you can tell by certain characters if it's a Ukrainian thing or if it's Russian. Are you fluent in Russian now? I wouldn't say fluent. I'm probably conversationally fluent. Like, uh-huh. I could I could carry on a, about the first couple of minutes of a conversation and... Mm-hmm. You know, I can talk to kids. Can you say, give me some bourbon? Be a daiti minya bourbon. Daiti minya. Daiti minya. Okay, I'll just let you say it. <laughs> I can't, I barely speak English, much less try to speak some Ukrainian or Russian. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure I'll get a text message going, you said that wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's cool. Well, that's why I was kind of interested in having your wife on, because I was really interested in her perspective on the, the Ukrainian-Russian war. And plus, I've never met her. I've never mm-hmm. met her. All I've seen is the, the, the uh, Facebook post, and she looks like a beautiful, wonderful, intelligent, warm lady. I've talked to you about her, and she's very complimentary. I guess I should say that Reed's mama is sitting over here in the corner. Um, she's making sure I uh, act right. Uh-huh. <laughs> she said she was going to be quiet, which I'm sure is very difficult, right? Yeah. <laughs> anyway. All right, so the cybersecurity, let's circle back to that. Mm-hmm. So what was the interest in that from, I mean, obviously you've been doing this for a long time now. Mm-hmm. What, did you realize at the time, because if you started on that path 20 years ago or so, 
I mean, that was sort of pre, I guess that would have been right around the internet bubble, right? So you kind of knew maybe there was a future in the computers and cyber cybersecurity world. Yeah, well, I've always, you know, had that interest. And so I think the kind of, the thing that kind of piqued my interest the most is that when you go into cybersecurity, you have to have that mindset of you need to understand how things work and how to break them. Uh-huh. And so uh, mom can tell you that years ago she went and bought a brand new personal computer back when I think it was Windows 95, so a yeah. long time ago. Yeah. And uh, she came home from work and I had it disassembled in the living room floor. And uh, she was rather unhappy about that particular event and so uh i put it back together and it worked so she said okay well you obviously have the mindset to work on computers so i think it's that curiosity of just you know hey how does this stuff work and then that kind of got me into it in general like how do you fix things yeah and then from there i saw the opportunity that hey the cybersecurity thing it's super interesting like the hacking and all that stuff and then there wasn't a lot of people in that field so i was like okay well this is probably a good opportunity to you know, kind of do a career shift into an area where there's not a lot of talent, mm-hmm. and uh, it, you know, definitely paid off. Well, so if I know your your focus is cybersecurity, but wouldn't you have to know how to do some basic programming and stuff too, or maybe not even basic, maybe advanced programming? Because you gotta you gotta counter it. So if somebody's programming against you or developing malware or viruses and all that stuff. Do you have to, how, well, do this, walk me through exactly what you do. Like what, what is your, when you're at your job and you got it, there's an issue develop, what do you do? Are you building the defensive walls for it or are you countering when attacks come or both? Uh, so technically it's both, but right mm-hmm. now I'm kind of, I'm in a director position. So I actually, you know, kind of do a lot more strategy and policy and, mm-hmm. you know, documentation. But pr- before that I would actually monitor the systems and see okay is there suspicious activity so you have all these different things that feed you in logs like hey you have connections coming from china or russia it's like okay that looks a little suspicious and then you start digging into it so it's almost like an investigation so you get little nuggets of of you know hey this could be suspicious and you just kind of follow that bread trail until you find oh this is a piece of malware or something a lot of times you it's real hard to reverse engineer malware so, uh, but to answer your question, you don't have to have programming experience, but it helps. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things like uh, I do a lot more scripting than I do programming. So like I can write a script that'll go out and perform an activity or something. But if you ask me program a Windows application, then that's outside my skill set. But uh, so you kind of follow those investigations, and then it leads you to other pieces of you know you know we call them artifacts. So you find an artifact like hey, there's a log entry that says that they access this server, and then track that down and say okay well what did they do on that server and so then you create this whole timeline of events saying okay here's when we know something came in here's all the activities the threat actor did and then you know it's all different so sometimes you'll find pieces of malware that you got to try to figure out okay what was it trying to do usually nowadays it's going to be ransomware is because that's probably the most common one so it's going to try to encrypt all your files and then say hey if you want to decrypt this you got to pay me you know 37 bitcoins or whatever yeah um, but it's it's all different. So in the different aspects of cybersecurity, you have different types of threat actors. <clears throat> so you have people who are, you know, we call them script kitties. So it's the people who really don't know what they're doing. They just watch a couple of YouTube videos, go download some tools. Usually they end up doing more damage than they do actual hacking, so they'll just take your stuff offline because they just don't know what they're doing. And then you have the cyber criminal element, which are the people who are financially motivated, which is probably the bulk of the attacks you'll see. Yeah. 
and and now those groups are highly professional, highly trained. They usually have support staff, like they have call centers set up with people, you know, like it's run like a business, but it's all to extort or steal money from you. And then the last group would be the nation state actors, which are usually most businesses shouldn't have to worry about that unless you are like a government contractor or something, but they usually try to go after government entities or they're trying to steal intellectual property. So if I'm a normal person, and and worried about people getting my uh, compromising photographs from my phone. <laughs> what are some tips that a normal person could use uh, as a cybersecurity expert to sort of avoid the risk? Well, for, let's say, uh, your confidential data, mm-hmm. um, I would say you probably don't want to store it on a phone, uh, mainly because the phone is going to you know, be something that could be left at a bar or somewhere or, you know, you leave it in a taxi cab and then, you know, there's ways people can try to exfiltrate data off of those devices. So generally not a good idea to have your sensitive information there. Um, I would say you definitely want to keep it in some place that uses encryption. And you also want to make sure it's using strong encryption because there are weak encryption algorithms and then there's strong encryption algorithms. So if it's something that's pretty old, it may not be strong enough to not be crackable, they say. Um, but you know, some of the things I do, like I have a uh, flash drive that has all my financial information, bank accounts, you know, all of our important documents and stuff. And so I have it on a jump drive that the jump drive is encrypted. There is a container inside the jump drive that's encrypted. And then there's a, a software application that has an encrypted database. So it's got three layers of encryption to get to all that stuff. Now that's a bit extreme and I don't think the normal person is going to do that. But yeah. It helps to, you know, kind of make yourself aware that that's available, especially, you know, in a law office, you you have to maintain confidentiality. That's, yeah. that's a pretty important thing. So, you know, looking at, you know, encrypted drives or things like that or some sort of encrypted service in the cloud would definitely help you out. Now, when you say encrypted, is it's different than just password protected, right? Yes. Okay. So it, it's got extra layers uh, of uh, security on the cyber level, I guess. Yeah, so what it does, it takes your data and everything, you know, on a computer gets down to a bit level, so it's all zeros and ones at the Mm -hmm. end of the day. So what they do is they take blocks of that data, pass it through a mathematical algorithm that then, you know, obfuscates it. So it's like, okay, now you don't know what this data said. And so... Unless you have that encryption. Unless you have the key. So you have to have the key to Uh decrypt it, and then it takes a... We call it ciphertext. So it takes the ciphertext and then puts it back into plain text so you can read it. Well, if that's the that that's actually a good explanation of that because I guess I never really fully understood how it worked. But then, and that 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 makes sense then why some people I guess decipher it or are able to even without the key figure it out or have programs maybe that try to decrypt it. Yeah, the the main way that you attack encryption is called brute forcing. So, and brute force literally means you try every possible key until you open it. And mm-hmm. so, if you have a weak encryption algorithm, then it could be possible for you to crack it pretty easily. Um, like uh, there was one, it was called a triple DES. Uh, it was a data encryption standard. It was built by the government. And so it came out that, hey, there was a flaw in the algorithm where somebody could easily crack and decipher the key and then they could decrypt the data. So now you have more advanced uh, things and now quantum computing is coming along, which really hurts encryption because uh, the whole basis of encryption is, is that they are mathematically difficult problems to solve. So they use you know, extremely large prom numbers, and then they do all this crazy factoring and stuff. So it makes it 
CPU intensive to try to brute force mm -hmm. and break it. And so one of the disadvantages of quantum computing is it can do those calculations super fast. Yeah. So now they're starting to develop a quantum proof encryption, which is probably going to be the next thing. Well, of the three, uh, it was three or four, I guess, cybersecurity risk or threat people that you look at. Which level would maybe have access to quantum computing, though? Isn't it going to be a pretty high level to have that? That'd probably be nation state for sure. Yeah, because yeah. I was going to say I don't know anybody that's got one of those. Yeah, right now I think there's only a couple companies who have uh -huh. working quantum computers. But you know that uh, all the mathematicians who develop all this in data encryption, when quantum computing came out, that was the first thing they said was these are going to be really good at you know cracking encryption. Aren't they also going to become like Skynet though, and eventually kill us all, like quantum? <laughs> Pretty much. Doesn't that get to like an AI level or yeah, something? <laughs> what What about uh, when? But you know, I just got that email where all I had to do was wire them some money, and I was going to get a million dollars from Algeria. I mean, what about that? Oh, yeah, that's pretty common. So, yeah. um, you know, it was one of those things where, you know, they, they still do it because it works. Mm -hmm. And so they'll send out 100,000 emails, and if one person sends them money, that they consider that a success. And so um, a lot of times, you know, it, the rule of thumb is, is if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. So Yeah, yeah. So, look, I have a, I have a quick uh, sidebar on that. I had this happen recently with me. So I'm on TikTok, right? And I've, I'm almost to 10,000 followers or subscribers or whatever on TikTok, which I'm excited about. I think you get monetized at 10,000 and that means I get like a penny. Hmm. I think I get like, a, I'm excited about that. But anyway, I got an, uh, this, I get all these messages. I don't know if Josh, Josh monitors a lot of them in response. I don't know if he even saw it, but I got a message from this uh, female. It looked like a female anyway. Very, very attractive lady, um, direct message to me. And I'm a 43 year old, old dude at this point, I feel like. And uh, it was a sort of a just generic, hey, you know, how are you type thing. And, and her profile, or this person's profile, has like all her doing golf and stuff. She's just all very attractive girl playing golf. So I go, I don't like golf. <laughs> Something like that. Because I knew this had to be fake. I knew this wasn't an actually really attractive female. And if it was, either way, it's not. So, I mean, I'm happily married. I wasn't going to play all that DM stuff. You know, because even if I wanted to, my wife gets access to my phone and she'd stab me in the eye or something. So anyway, then they respond, LOL, you know, how are you or where do you live or something like that. And I go, there's no way this is a real uh, profile, you know, like just kind of trolling on them about. And then they quit. They left it alone. But they were trying to troll me on. Surely they were eventually going to ask for money or something like that. Because for for the this this girl's. Uh, Whoever they stole it from, you know, is, is attractive enough. She would generally on that app have thousands, thousands of followers. And this one, I think, had like 3,000 or something. Small for what it was. Mm -hmm. But they did a good job on it because all the videos are the same girl. There's a bunch of comments of, uh, you know, guy, all guys, of course, you know, talking smack. But I knew, I was like, oh, that's the racket. So they get them on there. Yeah, one then, of those spam accounts one time, I told them that I was the king of Wakanda. And they responded, oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. Tell me more. And so then I had to start explaining to them about how I was the king of Wakanda, and they were all just really into it. And then they asked for money, and I told them to go away. So. Yeah. Well, you know, I've told I'm not going to go through the detail again. I'm not going to waste his time on it. But, you know, I got I did get scammed that one time uh, by the when I was late for the airport, and I thought I was calling the uh, American Airlines. And what I did is I Googled American Airlines, and the first number that popped up I called. And what threw me off, because it was a foreign guy, it was an accent, 
But what threw me off, he did, he did the first thing he did, the two things that messed me up is I called them. So in my head, I'd called the correct number was the first thing. And then the second thing was he initially tried to get me off the phone. Because initially, what I, he didn't understand what I was asking for. What I was doing was I was wanting to change, see if there was another flight, because I was afraid I was going to miss my flight that I was supposed to be there on, and I was wanting to check the time on the flights. And I kept saying the flight number, and he was like, oh, yeah, it's on time. Have a good day. Bye. You know, like, no big deal. Like, let me go. But he wasn't understanding that uh, the communication was lost, that I, was, I had missed the flight. So, so anyway, long story short, they conned me out of, like, $700. Uh, um, right then and I did it so stupidly because he even stayed on the phone with me and I was I, the whole time it's so the reason I bring this up is I like to think I'm not gullible I'm not naive we all like to think you know we're smart enough we're not getting conned all this and you would think I'm sophisticated enough you couldn't con me like that right but I did but what I learned was it's it's easy to say that till you're in that element where you're needing I was pressured I was missing the flight I was in a hurry I'd paid for this conference I was going to miss it so it's all these things going together, and even though I had, you know, it was all fabricated and not real, you know, I went, I got the gift card and the whole deal, mm. you know, gave them the number, the whole, I got scammed that way. So so th that brings me to another question I was going to ask you. So that scam was set up, it was one of those where it's on the phone, they're calling you, I'm sure they're in a call center, and they're getting the gift card numbers and the whole deal, and they got you. And I've seen on TikTok and YouTube, there's some hackers that counter- scam those guys like mm -hmm. I'll, I'll get on the phone and then they're able to hack them and like they're taking their money and shutting their stuff down and all that so is that uh, i mean i suppose that's all possible but is that using the same type of uh knowledge you have just in reverse yeah i believe so now it, it gets real tricky because i think there's some legal gray areas with these people doing this on youtube so mm -hmm. like you know there's the uh, computer fraud act which is very very vague in how it's worded so it basically says any unauthorized access to a computer system is a, a violation of the law. So, you know, it, it's kind of weird. Terrible, yeah, well, at this point, I just don't care. You know, like, <laughs> I'm glad that they're getting those folks. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, majority of the people they scam are, I think a lot of them would be older people. Oh, yeah. I, I had, when I was a deputy, I got called uh, a lot of times on either identity theft calls mm -hmm. or on... Uh, you know, stuff scams like this where they'd send them money or whatever. And a lot of times it was older folks that were just trusting people. And so you'll hear a lot of times they'll play like they got an older person's voice and they'll be in there, you know, <laughs> Well, that's another them. thing they do even with email. They they do what they call a create a sense of urgency. So they'll, yeah. they'll send you this email that's like, hey, if you don't respond to this now, then your bank account is going to get shut down. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, a, a new common one that I've seen is uh, Amazon packages. They say, hey, you know, we're trying to deliver this Amazon package, and if you don't respond, we're going to return it back to Amazon. And you know, They'll also it, disguise the email addresses to be similar to the actual yes. company name, so it'll be something that looks like it's from Amazon or Walmart or something like that. I've been, I've been getting a lot of those. Oh, yeah. And uh, they're getting really good at what they do, too. So they're, find, they're finding a really good way. So years ago, you would have the broken English and, you know, the Nigerian prince trying to, you know, send his millions of, of whatever to you. But there's a lot of money. Yeah, but it was full of grammatical errors. It was just super obvious that this is pretty sketchy. And then now they actually hire people to teach them English so that they can craft better emails. And so usually, uh, like on, an, on a protection standpoint, you're asking about protection. So we do configure tools to do things like uh, email filtering and say, okay, when an email comes in, we want to look at certain criteria in the email to say, do we think it's valid or do we think it's spam? And then 
they would usually put links or attachments in there, so it was pretty easy to say, okay, yeah, this is a you know scanned email. But now what they started doing is they start sending a plain text email with no links, no attachments, and so super hard for, to programmatically go through and say, okay, yes, this is this is a scam email. Mm-hmm. And so now a lot of that we have to rely on like end user training is what we call it. It's where you just educate people. You say, hey, here's kind of what to look for. You know, here's some things that we aren't going to do as an organization. Like we're not going to, you know, send your payroll information from a weird address or something. And so, you know, just raising the awareness. And October is Cybersecurity Awareness Month, which is the reason why I want to come here in October. Nice. Uh, so trying to raise awareness to everybody, every everywhere I can. Uh, I had two other questions I wanted mm-hmm. to ask you as we we're talking through this. One is somewhat political, so you can answer it or not. It's up to you. But I'm asking because you're the only cybersecurity expert I have spoke with, so I'm kind of interested in your perspective on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so if you take the politics out of it, I'm asking more of a technical question. Could Russia actually infiltrate an American election? There's arguments that they have, you know, that they influence Donald Trump election, whatever. Um, and so politics out of it, because, I, I, you know, I guess what – the way they they're they're trying to paint the picture that maybe Russia infiltrated it is that they created they they go in and create discourse amongst people or they'll push pages to folks or whatever mostly I guess through social media, but just from your perspective in cybersecurity, how likely do you think it is? I guess one is it possible, and then two personally, if you want to comment, do you think it's likely that it occurred or has occurred? So on the is it possible, so <clears throat> every year in Las Vegas they have a uh, hacker convention called DEF CON. And so I went to DEF CON, I think it was 2016, and uh, they had the they have these little villages set up so it's like, you know, car hacking village. or It was the first year they had voting village. And so in there they had voting machines and they had people trying to see could they hack them or what could they do if they had physical access to the machine. And just about every manufacturer that was there somebody was able to hack into it and then either reprogram the device to say, if you voted for candidate A, you know, go to candidate B. And so I think that that really spurred the um, manufacturers of those machines to say, hey, we really got to lock down security and make sure, okay, even with physical access, because, you know, most voting booths, you're in a little yeah. private booth, so you could be messing with the machine, unplugging stuff, or there was one where all you had to do was turn it off, and then when it turned back on, it went to an administrative console and so you could just type in stuff and do whatever you wanted to so Hmm. they've changed some of that so to answer the first question is it possible yes like if you have physical access to a machine if they don't have proper controls on that physical access uh, something like um, you know have you heard of a yubi key it's like a little usb drive it's a security key that you plug into a device that says okay you are authorized because you have a physical device connected to this machine Mm -hmm. you could do something like that to protect them or you could just say you know, once they leave the central hub, they're in a read-only state, so you can't make modifications to it. But uh, now to your second question, uh, I, I think that there were several um, intelligence agencies that did an investigation into the election, and uh, there was like 17 that said that there were evidence that there was some um, election tampering, but I don't know if it was actually hacking voting machines. I think it was more the disinformation and trying to... Yeah, so that, that's more what I thought. Um, I, honestly, I guess I've naively assumed that our elect, election system is relatively 
safe. I guess it's stupid any time you have humans involved <laughs> to think. Well, what I mean, I did get a little bothered when they magically found all those. Yeah, uh, I was going to say, my concern isn't the Russians. My concern is America, our own government, yeah. infiltrating the elections because I'm pretty sure that happened guys. but but most of the most of the i think most of the focus on russia's infiltration or manipulation of the election was disinformation or misinformation to people via social media sites mm-hmm. and whatnot and, and stirring up pots and you know there's like they were saying that the um i forget the statistic but of like the 20 top Christian sites or something like 19 of them are run by Russian hackers or some some <laughs> some Middle Eastern hacker or something like that. Uh, I shouldn't say hacker, I guess just trolls or whatever they are. I don't know, man. It's a lot that goes on uh, on it. So you don't think these phones are safe then? Like like well, it depends on the for phone. just general people. If you're a normal person and you don't have criminal information on here or porn or any of that kind of stuff, like you don't have the bad stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Is my but I've got. Like, uh, I've got, uh, there may be passwords in there to different stuff, bank information. I use the apps that have my passwords saved on my phone. Mm-hmm. So how safe is that? Uh, is it an iPhone? Yeah. So iPhone, generally, is it jailbroken? I don't know what that means. Okay, so if you don't know what it means. So jailbroken means that you take the factory image off of it and you put a third-party one that unlocks, you know, features and functionality. So... Generally, when you do something like that, you reduce the security on the device. But Apple's usually pretty good about keeping you know up to date with, hey, you know, here's a security update. Now, the problem is most people ignore it, and they don't say, oh, well, this it. new version of iOS is available. I'm just going to ignore it until it forces me to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, you should really do that every single time because the way it works is the moment they release that patch, there's a uh, clock that starts because now the hackers know, oh, there's a vulnerability in this phone. And in the patch notes, they kind of tell them, you know, here's what we're patching. So Mm -hmm. it could say, like, okay, the Wi-Fi chip has a vulnerability in it, and so we're patching it. Well, now the hackers know, okay, well, that's the area we need to look at to see can we find the vulnerability Mm -hmm. and start exploiting it before enough people patch the thing. Mm -hmm. And so the last statistic I read said that it takes about 15 days for the hackers to develop a new exploit once it's been announced, uh, just because now they know what to look for. And so I would say update the devices. Uh, don't jailbreak them um, because that reduces security. And then for most people, I think it's fine. Like uh, I use a password manager because I use different passwords for every single site, which is super annoying. But uh, especially when Yulia asked me, she's like, hey, what's the password for Kroger? And I'm like, hang on, let me pull up the password manager. Let me find Kroger. Okay, yeah. here's the crazy long password. But, uh, you know, for me, that's a operational security, and it's something that you should just – you know, since I work in the space, it's yeah. like, okay, it makes sense for me to do that myself because it's kind of hypocritical if I, you know, if I'm very laxed at home and, but then I'm telling people, hey, you shouldn't do that. Yeah. No, I understand that. I mean, but also your perspective, uh, and I don't want to say it's biased, but it's skewed slightly because of your job. Mm-hmm. It's just like my position doing mostly criminal defense. There's things that I think about or being a cop for 12 years, like my wife kills me constantly either leaving her vehicle unlocked or leaving her purse right on the console, like literally right here, just a present for whoever wants to come by and steal it. And just will, she, it literally happened. Like we had people break in her car and steal her purse and then run across judge Peeler's yard. He's our neighbor Hmm. dropping all, cause they were kids. 
they had all the credit cards, but they didn't realize they had value. So they're throwing the cards as they run across. There's a line of them taking the cash out. I think it was like $2. And then uh, they stole her iPad. And so that's how we called them and got it back. Because I ended up having – I'm the defense lawyer and had to go testify against these guys that had arrested it. And then a year later, guess who I end up appointed to defend? <laughs> One of the boys that broke into my wife's car. Yeah, so ironic. My point, though – was even after that, to this day, she'll still leave her purse just sitting right there. Just kills me. But my point is, I know that, you know, is it likely that she's going to get, you know, her stuff stolen again? I don't know. Probably not, statistically. But I think about it. Just like you think about the cyber cybersecurity stuff all the time. Oh, yeah. Well, like... Uh, Do you still enjoy it, doing that, that work? Yeah. Yeah, it, it's fun. Well, is it fun to the point where in your off time you read about it, like for fun? Well, here lately I've been reading about MBA, so I've been focused. Because you've been school. focused on your schoolwork, yeah, yeah, <clears throat> but, uh, sort of associated with. Prior it. to that, then I, I'm actually part of a couple of websites where you go in and do like practice hacking and stuff. So okay. like they have a couple of websites that are like educational playgrounds. It's yeah, like, yeah. Okay, here's a vulnerable system. Can you find the vulnerability and hack into it? And it's kind of gamified, so you gain points as you hack more systems and stuff. And so. I enjoy that aspect of it, and uh, it's super helpful when you're a defender because you have to know how the attackers are attacking. Yeah. And so when you have that, you know, knowledge of okay, if I was going to attack this system, here's what I would do. So you say, okay, well, this is how I'm going to defend it because I know the areas they're going to attack. Huh. And so we use we use a lot of you know military terms, and you know, like we call them threat actors. You know, their uh, vulnerabilities, exploits, all that stuff. So. Yeah. Well, to some degree, you're a detective. Yes. Really. I mean, you're trying to analyze a detective and a doctor because you're analyzing the problem. You have to diagnose the problem and then you have to come up with a prescription or a remedy to fix the problem. Yep. Um, so, I mean, I, I understand. It's and you very also, interesting. You know, there's some non-technical aspects, too. Like sometimes there will be a business process like, <clears throat> you know, part of our business will say, hey, you know, we got this new function that we want to do. Is it going to increase our risk or something? And, you know. Sometimes business people don't think, you know, in terms of sure. of cyber risk. They only think of business risk. Mm -hmm. So it's like, how, what's the bottom? How's this going to impact my bottom dollar? Not, oh, is this going to expose our client data or something? And so we come in and kind of look at the process and say, okay, well, how's that data flowing through a system? And then we can say, okay, here's the spots where we have concerns and we need to put in either compensating controls or you say you're going to have to come up with a new solution because this is just too risky. And so explain, I'm going to ask you one more sort of technical question just because mm -hmm. I don't know the answer. Uh, explain the dark web to me. First of all, I've never been on it. I hear it exists, and I hear like shady stuff goes on. But I go to the internet, but I don't understand how to go to no dark internet or what's the deal. Yeah, so really the dark web is just more, uh, so there's this thing on the internet called indexing. So like Google has these crawlers that go out and just look at all these different websites. So you can go to Google and search for, you know, you know, the kicking lawyer, and it's going to come back with search results. Mm -hmm. So the dark web are a series of websites that do not get indexed. So you can't just go to Google and search for them a lot of time, or the most common one I know to how to access is something on the Tor network, <clears throat> which is called the Onion Router. So it's a whole different routing protocol of the Internet. So you have to have a special browser. You have to have special configurations. And then the websites are usually these crazy hexadecimal um you know, super long URLs that you just have to know. Like if you type in that URL, it'll take you to that website. And so that's how they kind of circumvent a lot of stuff because unless you know that that is where you need to go, you'll never find it. Yeah. And so that that's really what they consider the dark web. And uh, yeah, there are some 
some pretty shady stuff out there. Like there was one that got taken down called the Silk Road. I don't know if you heard about it, <clears throat> but basically it was kind of like a eBay for illicit materials. Like he could order drugs, you could do, hmm. you know, weapons and all sorts of stuff. And you know, it was a, it was a you know taken down. And I think that guy is uh, still in prison. You know, the guy who ran it. Mm-hmm. So uh, talking about uh, uh, illicit stuff. Josh and I have talked a lot because we talk about investments and stuff often on here mm-hmm. about uh, 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 cryptocurrency. And my very base understanding of cryptocurrency is that, and this is on a uh, not illegal use, but on, I mean, for whatever transactions, it's one of the, to me, most cleanest forms of the transaction because it's transparent. You've got the blockchain right there to look at, which mm-hmm. is effectively the ledger to see everything that's happened. And there's no middleman. Yeah, but, you know, obviously governments don't like that because it's hard to get their money on it. That's right. But what are your generic uh, thoughts on uh, cryptocurrency? Uh, so uh, I kind of have mixed feelings about it. Like, you know, I, I own some crypto because it's one of those things. It's like it's an investment opportunity that you shouldn't pass up on. Yeah. <clears throat> but, you know, there's still part of me is the cybersecurity guy going, okay, you know, like with Bitcoin, we don't know who the guy is who created it. Like mm-hmm. it's an anonymous person who developed that white paper. So... My question is, is like, okay, how do we know for sure that they didn't code something into the blockchain that one day they're just going to cash out everything and then everybody's going to be left high and dry? So I have that little bit of skepticism, but I'm just kind of a generally skeptic person anyway. So when I see stuff like that, I'm like, okay, what's the catch to it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I haven't really found a catch yet, but it doesn't mean that one doesn't exist. So what, you say you own some cryptocurrency. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you? What's your preference? Like, do you have multiple coins or is there like are you like i have mostly bitcoin and ethereum Mm -hmm. because they're kind of standard now i did occasionally invest in some of those uh, crap coins that came through um like i had some doge coin and uh what's the other one josh i had had some shiboard yeah super fringe yeah (laughs) yeah i had a little bit of that a little bit of this but mostly ethereum and bitcoin yeah, so most of mine is, uh, I think, Ethereum, Bitcoin, and then I have I dabble in a couple other ones like Cardano. Yeah, and I have yeah. some Cardano. Yeah, I got some Cardano. Uh, so that, that one, and then I started buying some of those that were, you know, kind of on the outskirts where mm-hmm. it was, like, super cheap to get, you know, a couple thousand of them. It's like, okay, it's kind of a crapshoot. Just gonna, in case, yeah. You know, if it hits and takes off, you know, maybe I can cash out. And uh, So far, I have not uh, become a Bitcoin millionaire. So Yeah, well, I watched, have you seen the Netflix special on that? Huh. It's very interesting. Netflix has, well, there's, so there's two. There's one, I think they're both on Netflix. One is specifically about cryptocurrency and people that have done well with it. And then the other one that was real interesting was about uh, the pump and dump with GameStop. Mm. And uh, it's really interesting because a lot of those people that made millions are normal people that like, you know, just got lucky and got in. And then it's, it's these hedge fund managed managers who are crying who have been raping most people for years, yeah. and now they the, the the small guy, the little guy, is finally getting over on them with GameStop. Anyway, it's interesting to to, to watch that. Um, both both those documentaries I thought were were well made. Yeah, and that situation is what kind of made me uh, a little upset with Robinhood. Just mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, you know, whenever they went in, and they stopped certain transactions. Yeah, yeah. that's straight up. Yeah, so so that they covered that. They covered that because we mm-hmm. were we were that was a. Was that bit right in the middle was, of the pandemic or just after like the pandemic? It was January, February. I remember because I actually I missed the GameStop bump, but I got I made a ton of money off of AMC and Dogecoin, which mm-hmm. is the big uh, spikes that followed it immediately after. But I was there. I had my Robinhood account open, and I remember when they stopped that and how everybody was so upset that they stopped allowing people to actually cash out 
their GameStop stocks. And I was like, that's uh, Well, when that's I, that shady. all went down, me and Dave, who was my law partner, one of my law partners at the time, bought like three monitors. And we were basically day trading during the morning. So we would come in here, set up. We were just all into it. And it was just by chance that it was during that GameStop thing. And most of my trading I did was on Robinhood. And so, yeah, we were both very frustrated with the way they handled it. But, you know, part of the reason, and of course, the CEO said it had nothing to do with it, but they, the way their business model is set up, they are backed by that bank, the main bank that was uh, uh, either collateralized or somehow invested in the hedge fund that ended up uh, being hurt the most by this, this pump of GameStop. Because uh, they had shorted the stock so far. Anyway, there was definitely some motivation there to, oh, we got to stop this bleeding. And, and it was at the risk of the user. But, mm. you know, it was a good hit on them at the time. And uh, hopefully, uh, of course, it was through Reddit comments and all that. So oh, yeah. Reddit's <laughs> almost dark, dark web-ish. There's a lot of randomness on there, too. Uh, there is a lot of randomness there, but I wouldn't consider it dark web-ish. Uh-huh. Uh, well, see, I just don't know enough about it to know. Yeah, well, you know, when the podcast ends, I'll talk to you about Oh, okay. It. <laughs> dark, dark web is where you go when you want to order a clown. When you want to order a clown off, a off clown. the internet. Oh, yeah. I think I've seen Yeah, there's, the, a, there's, there's a video where, on TikTok. Yeah. yeah, these guys order a clown off the dark web, and it shows up at their house, and it's, like, super creepy acting. Yeah, yeah. you need to watch those. I'll send, I'll send you the video. After. Yeah, there's some other ones where people order random boxes, and they'll just get this box delivered <clears throat> of just random stuff interesting it's you never know what you're gonna get and yeah i wouldn't I, recommend it i'm not interested in any of that <laughs> our brother our brother justin says he has coffee can coin <laughs> <laughs> he uh my mother said you will always be justin to her oh and then yes Ju- ma'am Ju- our justin has said multiple things that he probably shouldn't <laughs> yeah speaking of that you know um, one of the things you, you kind of mentioned about all the stuff that you have on social media so that's another thing that we try to tell people to be careful about because mm-hmm. you know even now in job interviews like if your facebook profile is public <clears throat> your employers could go yeah. out there and look at your facebook history and then that could be the reason why you don't get no it, it is like when we go to even us uh when we consider people as candidates to hire here one of the first things we do is look at their social media. Uh-huh. And I'm aware of that. And, of course, I have tons of presence online. But, you know, I'm in a position that's different than most people. I don't have any bosses. Like, I'm the boss pretty much every – I have business partners and stuff, but the majority of them, I'm the managing partner. So there's not really anybody I answer to other than the consumer that does or doesn't buy my products. So I'm in a different position, and I'll always be like that. Like, I have no interest or goals in the next, you know, however long I live to work for anyone. I'm, an, But it's, everybody's different on how they do Now, there's other pressures that come with that, but my point is I can say whatever right now, and the repercussion is people may or may not use my services and businesses, but it's not like I get fired from right. my job. But you're right. I tell clients all the time, whether it's criminal clients that are looking at, uh, you know, uh, criminal, looking at jail time, or divorce and custody clients, both of those are cases where even personal injury that have come in, they're going to look and say, "Are you going to the gym?" But yet you're saying your back's hurting, and they got they use that against them all the time in court. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yeah, so I'm fully aware that if I do this, I can especially if I continue to do this kind of thing where it's just free flowing conversation. I'm I have and will say things that either are at times offensive or stupid or, or ignorant comments, and then my opinion may change in the future, and I just have to hope that people will eventually see that I'm a normal person and that 
I can my thoughts can evolve. I thought you were you know? gonna say that people eventually see that I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> no, sometimes I'm wrong. You know, like that's why I'm open to certain arguments that most that a lot of people would think are ludicrous right now because you know I'm open that in the future I'll be wrong. Uh, my point is, like, my pos- I don't recommend that people do like I do where everything is on social media. It's just that I'm not doing anything illegal. I don't have anything you know, There's right now that I know of. I don't have anything that really that's a ton of risk other than just people not liking me, I guess. But, well, I mean, you may have some risk out there, but it, it would have to be a highly targeted attack. Because when I look at that, I look at, you know, okay, so, you know, if I wanted to do a targeted attack on you, one of the first things that you do when you're a hacker is you do, um, you know, reconnaissance. And so you go out there and you say, okay, so I want to hack the kicking lawyer. Mm-hmm. First thing I'm going to do is look at your social media. Can I build a profile about you? Do I know enough about your interests? Can I find, you know, possibly what your uh, Wi-Fi password would be or you know, I can create just a generic list of, okay, here's the terms that show up the most on your website. Mm-hmm. Chances are either that or your kids' names or your pets' names, mm-hmm. probably what you use for a password somewhere. And then you can go in there and start, you know, uh, process a deduction, figuring out, okay, what, how do I break into your account? Mm-hmm. Uh, so one of the things I do is like our Facebook profiles, first, we rarely post anything. Second, we have all of our stuff set to private. Mm-hmm. And then we also don't put pictures of our kids on social media. Like if you go through ours, like, uh, no, it annoys mom, but uh, we, we never post pictures of the kids online. Just, mm-hmm. you know, we're, right. we're super uh, restrictive there. <clears throat> but, you know, when you build those profiles and you do that reconnaissance, then it kind of helps you perform an attack against a business. So, mm-hmm. And then uh, I think probably the most common way that you would do it is uh, Wi-Fi mm-hmm. because a lot of people don't know how to configure their Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you have wireless here, more than likely it's using default settings. It's, you know, I could go sit in the parking lot and just snoop all of your Wi-Fi traffic and then take it home, crack it offline, and then come back and then try to get connected to your network and then see what can I see. Hmm. You know, so those are those are some things. So, uh, you know, whenever you, most people don't think like that because they're, you know, there's a scale. It's like, okay, you know, you have convenience on one side and you have security on the other. And so you try to find that good medium of you got enough security, but you're not making it so inconvenient that it's unusable. Mm-hmm. And so trying to find that balance is uh, pretty difficult. Well, your, your, your internet provider, do they have any uh, just general security on the encryption, like if you got Xfinity Internet, is there something there, or does it just not matter? Depends on your password. Uh, a lot of it's password strength, and mm-hmm. you know, password hygiene is pretty important too. So, like uh, one thing that we say is that you you don't use passwords of something that's in a dictionary, mm-hmm. you know, because one of the common things people will do is uh, if so, whenever you authenticate to Wi-Fi, for example, you have to do what's called a WPA handshake. So, like your device reaches out to the wireless router and says. I'm this person, I have the key, here's the key, but it sends it in a hashed format, so it's not the actual password. But if I can intercept that hash, then I can take take it offline and see, okay, I want to pass it through something called a rainbow table, which is a bunch of dictionary words that have already been hashed, and see, okay, does this match anything that I already know? Mm-hmm. And if it does, I can grab the password and say, is that the valid password, and then get connected to your Wi-Fi. And mm-hmm. then from there, then you just kind of snoop around and... You know, I think uh, I read a statistic one time that said that in a normal hack, uh, the dwell time, the amount of time that a hacker will stay in your system looking at stuff is around 195 days before they actually conduct an attack. Dang. So there's some where there was reports where a threat actor got in to a business. I can't remember the name of the business, but um, they were in there for over 200 days. They deployed a ransomware attack, so they encrypted all their corporate files. 
and said, we want a $15 million ransom. And then the company came back and said, hey, yeah, we can't afford a $15 million ransom. And they said, well, you know, here's your financial statements and everything. We had our accountants look at it, and we feel that $15 million is a reasonable ransom. I mean, so they were in there that long that they pulled all their financial records. I mean, they knew everything about this business before they Now, the, you don't have to say who specifically you work for, but is your company get hired by other companies to review, or are you working for a company in their cybersecurity division? Work for a company in their cybersecurity department. Okay. Yeah, so so uh, it's you You look at you look a lot of it specific to whatever that company does mm-hmm. on their stuff. Uh, that that's uh but i do have a pretty uh connected network so i'll have people in different industries reach out oh to sure hey, no man, i you know what's yeah. your opinion on this so i, I get it i help people with healthcare, uh, you know banks you know because all of them have different regulatory compliance like mm-hmm. you got hipaa for healthcare, you got uh graham leach for banks and then if you're a uh, certain merchant level and you process credit card transactions then you have pci mm-hmm. so you know you got all these different standards of security that you gotta at least be aware of sure sure space how long have you been at the job you're at now? 14 years, but almost 15 years. Man, that's good. It's a long time. Yep. That's why you're management level now, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Which I do, I, you know, eventually I'm, I'm trying to move into a career position called a uh, chief information security officer. So it's a C-level executive. And so that's part of the reason why I'm going for the MBA. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a ton of certifications. I already have the bachelor's degree. And I kind of felt that that MBA really just kind of rounds me off as a good candidate for Well, I I don't know how it is in the IT world. I tell people this generically is that nowadays, because of how easy it has gotten to be gotten to get a a bachelor's degree, is that I think most people should get a bachelor's degree. Now, yours is obviously a little specific, but I think that generally the bachelor's degree, it does. It's not like it. What we well, what I was raised on and you're a little younger than me was you needed the college degree to get a good paying job, college degree. Well, everybody's got one. So the only way to set yourself apart is with a graduate degree. Once you get a graduate degree, I think there's still some protection if you've got a master's, a doctorate, whatever, that it might bump you to a a little bit of a higher level. I do generically think, though, with a couple of exceptions, and IT may be one of them. I don't know nothing about it. Um, You know, medicine's probably one, and maybe even law's one. Generally, college degrees are, I hate to say a waste of money, but... I'll say it. They're a waste of money. Yeah, kind of a waste of money. I mean, I have $140,000 student loan debt. As we sit here right now, my student loan debt is $140,000. Now, I have a bachelor's, I've got uh, two master's degrees, and I've got a doctorate, right? So that's a lot of of education. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, I'll probably never pay it off, you know, I mean, to be honest with you. And that's the only thing, like, uh, a lot of the liberal-minded folks are kind of, you know, hey, man, let's get rid of the student loans. <laughs> Bankrupt the whole system, but let's get rid of hey, the student Hey, I'm going to take advantage of it, too. So I must actually uh, – so my whole student loans, I think I'm maybe 22000 yeah. uh, for the oh, whole so degree. Like most so, of yours out. Yeah, 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 it will. That's and, great. And for the master's, I decided to pay that out of pocket, so I didn't do student loans for that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that was a bit of a hit. <laughs> well, I didn't I – mean, for me, it was no option. I knew that – I knew, though, that if I could get – I just saw there was a door there that if I could get the law degree that I could step through to a whole nother level in life. And for me, it was, I just, I was at a point where I had so much debt for being a a, a young dad, you know, as you know, I 18, I had a kid. Mm -hmm. And so there was a lot of debt I had to accumulate to try to get going. I was sort of behind the curve to start with. And then it seemed like no matter what I did through my twenties, I was spinning my wheels and spinning my wheels. 
trying to make more money and there's more debt and there's more of this and more of that. And so I needed something that was sort of a catapult to another position. So for me, it was worth it, but I can see how a lot of people that don't have my sales personality might not benefit as much from a $140,000 student loan, you know, that I did. It was well, I kind of needed me. that motivation too. So this I can thank Yulia for because uh, she was the one who motivated me to go back to school. Yeah. And so my bachelor's, the reason I ended up with so many certifications was the bachelor's program. Um, <clears throat> it's at a school called Western Governors University. So it's all self-paced, it's online. Yeah. So as many classes as you can complete in a term, you know, you can, you know, I think the first term I did like 28 credit hours or something crazy. Uh, this master's program, I've already done you know, like 30 hours uh, in, in yeah. less than six months. But she motivated me to go. She was like, you know, hey, you know, you're a smart person. Why didn't you finish this degree? You know, it, and so I was like, you know what? You're right. Why didn't I? You know, cause Man, I she seems like forward. a good person. She oh, yeah. seems to be a good mother. For whatever reason, she likes you. I know. I like, haven't figured it out yet. <laughs> does she have a sister or something? Josh is single. She has no sisters. No sisters yeah. or cousins. Or she got a brother, maybe. I mean, it is 2022. <laughs> Josh, you want a brother? No, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> I'm okay. But yeah, she was she was the the motivating factor, and then uh, mm-hmm. you know she when COVID hit, you know I was sitting there debating on the MBA, and I said, you know, I kept talking about it for about a year. I said, you know, I think if I go for this MBA, it's really going to kind of help that career. And she finally looked at me uh, this past summer and went, either do it or stop talking about it. You know, and I was like, okay, that's all I needed to hear, so I went for it. And, well, that's Hopefully good. I'll have it finished here in the next couple of months. So tell me, a little, uh, again, this is sort of personal, so answer it or don't. But what's it like being an American that's married to someone that wasn't raised American? Because, you know, we have different, a lot of different views on a lot of things compared. You know, I went to, I've been to Korea, China, a lot of the Asian countries. And one of the things that was, uh, that struck me in my earlier years was the different perspective on things. Like even things like public displays of affection or, you know, your religious views or all that. How has that been melding your two, I guess, cultures? Yeah, it's definitely interesting. Uh, you know, I learned a lot. So there was a whole bunch of things about, um, you know, Ukraine that I just didn't know in the culture. But, you know, at the at the end of the day, you know, they're, they kind of remind me of other Southern people. So they're very, you know, polite, welcoming, warming. Like uh, when I went to Ukraine, they treated me like family right off the bat. They were showing me all these monuments. They were real interested in saying like, hey, here's this thing. And, you know, I got to see all these old Soviet monuments and whatnot, which are, you know, things that you you never see over here, like mm-hmm. the hammer and sickle everywhere. And you're yeah. like, okay, this is interesting. Um, but, the, you know, they kind of just welcomed me in like I was part of the family and you know, it, that, that was part of, I think, part of the reason why, you know, Yuli and I kind of hit it off is that, you know, uh, culturally, we just kind of meshed. You know, like, we have a similar mindsets, interests, and everything. We both like to travel. Uh, but it, it's it's eye-opening. I think it's actually pretty positive for me because, you know, it, when you see these different cultures and these different perspectives on things, like, you know, uh, one of the things that, um, <clears throat> you know, kind of blew her mind when she came here was uh, return policies at stores. Because in Ukraine, once you buy something, it is yours. Is there, it? there is no mm-hmm. returns. And and so I remember we were somewhere and I was like, well, I think she was looking at a pair of shoes or something. And I was like, well, you know, buy them, go take them home, try them on. If you don't like them, we'll take them back. And she was like, what? What do you mean take them back? You know, and, and it's just <laughs> little bitty things like that that are pretty interesting. But, uh, you know, uh, it's a awesome culture. I mean, it's very family oriented. They're uh, like when her parents come here, they always try to do lots of stuff for us. And, and you know, I'm like, hey, you're kind of in a situation where it's a little difficult for you right now. I don't think you should be trying to help us. We should be trying to help you. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but still, that's just their mindset. Like uh, my father, my in-laws came this summer and they were here for, I think, right at three months. 
And uh, so while he was here, he was trying to fix everything around the house. He was trying to fix fences and all this. And I'm like, hey, man, uh, you know, we brought you over here so you could get away from, mm-hmm. you know, the situation for at least a little while. And, uh, and we're still trying to convince them to come back, you know, maybe um, in the spring. Uh, they have businesses over there, so they had to get back so they can make sure they can take care of their businesses yeah. as best they can. But, yeah, so hopefully we'll get them back here in the next And month. you have how many kids with her? Two. Two. How old are they? Six, and one is 19 months. 19 months. I, mm-hmm. I knew about the first one, and I, I, I probably knew about the second one via Facebook or something. But, uh, well, congratulations. Oh, well, thank you. How's that been, being a daddy? Uh, it's different. It's uh, I'm surprised I still have hair, and my hair has not turned gray. Um, well, they're still little. So. <laughs> but it's fun. It's, uh, I have learned that my daughter has probably the best mix of mine and Yulia's you know, personalities, mm-hmm. except it's super frustrating because I, I swear this kid will make a good lawyer because she loves to argue with you. Mm-hmm. Like, I, well, she's like, a woman, right? <laughs> no offense. Well, I'm not saying but... that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. But, yeah, so, uh, I, you know, it's, it's awesome. Oh yeah, so Yulia, she uh, she has a law degree in Ukraine. Really? Mm-hmm. So I wonder how that works. I'm sure she could check with the American Bar Association. Is is there no way she can say, take some remedial thing or sit? Does she have a juris doctorate there, or what's yeah. it called? I forgot what the actual title. It's got a super long name, but um, what did she do over there in law? Oh, she, uh, I think a general lawyer. Um, so what was it? Just generic, whatever, like boutique law, whatever. Walked in the door type stuff, mm-hmm. or did she work for a firm or? Not for a firm. I think she ended up working for a, a police department at one point, and then um, uh, another company in like an HR type capacity as mm. a lawyer. But uh, over there, they treat school a little bit different. Like you know, over here, people talk about what's you know, oh, are you going to go to college in Ukraine? It's like okay, you're either going to college or you're going to some Botech school to mm-hmm. learn a trade. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, she it kind of blew her mind when I said, yeah, I never finished my bachelor's degree because she was like, what do you mean you didn't? Yeah, finish? how do you not finish? It's like, it how, how are you employed if you don't didn't finish a degree? Yeah. And, huh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. They finish one semester. Is it all government paid? I think so. I think because uh, over there they have a lot of socialized system. Like I know their healthcare is uh, socialized, and mm. I think education is too. Unless you go to certain schools or uh. you go for certain jobs. So you were kind of mentioning corruption before. You know, back before uh, Maidan and you know the uh, when Viktor Yanukovych was kicked out of Ukraine. You know, uh-huh. back in those days, it was you got to grease the palms of somebody to get into like law school or. Uh, a pretty important job over there is a notary because mm-hmm. notaries carry a lot of power in Ukraine. And hmm. so if you want to become a notary, you're going to have to know the right people and the right people are going to have to get paid for you to get into the program. And I think they're trying to change a lot of that now. Yeah, you know, they've had a couple yeah. of different presidents where they're like, hey, you know, we want to have these closer ties with the EU. And if we want to go more that direction, we've got to get a grasp on some of the corruption and stuff. Well, I'm a notary also. So, hey, just man. so you know. <clears throat> you ever want to go to Kiev, man, I can help you out. <laughs> yeah, I'm a notary right here. So, well, uh, look, man, looks like we're getting over an hour, so I'll start tying it up. If people, I mean, I assume you don't mind answering some cybersecurity questions. If they wanted to find you, they may not be able to, sounds like. But if they wanted to find you <laughs> online or something, is there a way to find you? Uh, yeah, people can send uh, questions. Uh, my email is reed.wallace at gmail.com. So, you know, I can, R-E-I-D. I can try to help. R-E-I-D. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, I call you Justin. Yeah. But anyway, man, I appreciate you coming on. It's good to see you again. Yeah, absolutely, man. You and your mama. Your mama's kind of a big kicking lawyer fan over there. I don't know if you know. Oh, yeah. She's she... been trying to get me to ride bulls and stuff. Yeah. No. So, look, I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't know it's going to happen. Like, 
I uh, I did. I sparred. I, I had been sparring before the Rocky play. I had been sparring every Monday night at my martial arts school, right? And uh, I had a young buck come in a month or two ago before Rocky, so it may have been two months ago. And I was putting a good whooping on him. Like, I was putting, I was putting a good enough whooping on him, and this guy was, like, world-ranked. He stopped, and he made the comment that I moved pretty good for a 43-year-old. And I said, well, it looks like I moved pretty good for a 20-year-old because I'm whooping your tail, you know. <laughs> but then it was all fun and games, right? It took me, like, four days to recuperate, though, after the, the sparring session because my, my left Achilles tendon was hurting, my right knee was hurting, my hips were hurting me. I'm just older. So I can still, once I'm warmed up, I can hang okay. But, like, so riding a bull or something like that. It's a mechanical bull. Yeah, I don't really think it matters which kind of bull it is. I'm pretty sure that eight seconds I would pay for for several weeks. So I have to be smarter. I was telling a guy earlier today, our back porch has this, it's about three-foot concrete slab, and then there's some steps to the right of it. Well, back in the day, I would just run straight off my back porch, no problem. Well, now I go, well, and I go down the steps. <laughs> just got to make smart decisions. So yeah, I know how it feels, man. Like uh, the other day, uh, Liam was on the couch and he did that, you know, toddler. I'm about to roll off, and so uh-huh. I did the dad dive to catch him, and then I immediately regretted it. Felt that pain go down my spine, and I was like, okay, I'm not as young as I used to be. <laughs> yeah, it's rough. Age is a rough thing. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I think a lot of it's bull, though, where a lot of the older folks are like, oh, I can't. No, I think you're like honestly, I have so many ailments from in injuries that I probably should be on pain meds and stuff, but it's just, I accept that this is how life is now. It's a life lived well. I've done a lot of stuff. So I got different little, you know, hiccups, but it's okay. I really think most people can still do a lot of things. The difference with me compared to normal people that are just pick as I've done this my whole life, especially like martial arts have been physical and all that. So I can still do splits. I can still do all kinds of stuff that I think most 43 year olds can't do. Uh, and I, I get that's a difference. But I do think people should step outside their comfort zone and, and try to do things. But maybe not ride a bull. I have ridden a mechanical bull, by the way. I have. And, you know, Justin, who may still be on here, has uh, read, read, uh, uh, ridden uh, – he did the real bull. You remember that? Y'all oh, yeah. are buddies. And he was he went to the tough Hedeman mm-hmm. bull riding school. He and got, like, horned in Then the he got stepped on. Yeah, that was it. He, he got, got stepped on. on. Yeah. And he decided, mm, maybe I shouldn't ride bulls anymore. So. Yeah, I think I've actually been there for quite a few of y'all's injuries. I have a video somewhere of you getting your nose broke. That's probably that video that she's got over here. Yeah, and I've had I've had it's been broke twice. Um, anyway, it's good times. Well, man, it's good to see you. Yeah, absolutely. And and your lovely mother. Uh, we'll, we'll have to give her a hoodie or something since she's such a big fan. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and uh, anyway, I want to thank all you guys for watching. I do want to remind you, though, uh, that this weekend, the Ruffin Theater is having the Rocky Horror Show, which I am in. I would uh, not, you know, that that may make you not come, but it is Friday and Saturday, and then it's next Friday and Saturday, so if you're around the Covington area, feel free to come. As Josh is showing you there, don't forget to follow, like, subscribe across platforms, including TikTok. I do want to thank Michelle Allen. She is a longtime sponsor of the show, and, and she's your go-to realtor if you're trying to buy, sell, rent, lease real estate in the area, really anywhere. She'd be glad to help you out with that. And, of course, Mason's High Octane Martial Arts is where I've been training and train people for years and years and years. And uh, you can go to masonsmartialarts.com, and we'd be glad to have you come start your own journey there. And uh, The Cellar Restaurant Prohibition Bar, I will be there today as soon as we're done here for a trivia tonight. We're open every day, seven days a week uh, at 4 p.m., Great food, great drinks, a lot of fun there. Come see us at the cellar. And Masonite Digital Marketing, we'll be glad to help you with your online presence, branding, social media, websites, etc. Josh will help you just uh, 
visit him at masonknightmarketing.com. So thank you guys for joining us today. We'll be live again next Tuesday with another Law Talk. And uh, like I said, don't forget we're back on Instagram. So go over there and give me a follow. I appreciate it. And leave all the comments that you like. So thanks again, Justin. We'll see you guys next week. Keep kicking. Thanks for watching, guys. Just remember that this is not legal advice or investment advice or business advice. This is for fun and entertainment purposes only.